everybody, and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your occasional feel-good podcast. For this week, we talk about pretty much the last five weeks of stuff. That's right, this week we talk about the Guild Wars 2 latest expansion, End of Dragons, which came out like four months ago. We talk about Elden Ring, which came out like a month ago. I talk about Moon Knight in its first couple of episodes. I uh, was given a couple of wonderful gifts, including the uh, Facebook VR headset, the Oculus Quest 2. We talk about my experiences with that. Uh, We pay homage to one of the greatest drummers on the rock and roll stage. And, um, oh gosh, I think there's some other stuff going on in in this episode. To be perfectly honest, it was recorded over the course of weeks. Um, So I truly don't recall most of what is said in this podcast. Anyway, I hope you're all doing well. I'm doing quite splendidly. Thank you for, for asking. Um... We are almost ready for the next audiobook. I have this new rule um, for audiobooks. I won't upload an audiobook until I have another one in the chamber ready to go. Um, that way, I always have like one like ready to go. If that makes sense, it's it's my it's my perpetual goal, and I feel like that will help kind of pace things out. But I do I did finish recording an entire audiobook. Um, it is it is ready to go, and as soon as I am done recording the next audiobook, of which I'm about a third of the way through, we will throw that audiobook online. Um, however, I had a bit of an epiphany um, tonight, and I will probably be uploading a bunch more audiobooks in the not-too-distant future. I just need to get my hands on the books that I want to read. And it's for a completely different purpose. Um, And so I kind of want to talk about it uh, a little bit here at at the start of the episode because I think it's really cool and I want to get into it. So there exists a charity called Learning Ally. And what Learning Ally does is that they get people just like you and me to read audiobooks for people who are illiterate, Um, predominantly children um but i i mean i would theorize that anybody who couldn't read could listen to these and appreciate stories um that they might not normally be able to experience and i went boy how do you done that sound fucking familiar kind of sounds like something i i would do um and you're right so i've i've signed up and i auditioned to be a narrator um they said they'd get back to me in a month um, but it got me thinking that, let's be honest, let's call a spade a spade, my audiobooks are not meant for people of all ages. Um, I, I say a lot of things that should not be heard by people under the age of 55. So, it would be pretty nice to do some audiobooks that truly were all ages family friendly. And so I figured I would go back and read the books I read when I was like, you know, elementary school and before elementary school uh, in a similar vein to Learning Ally, um, not to compete. Um, I, that's, I don't think that's really ever the point when it comes to charities. Um, I just thought it would be a really good idea to have some audiobooks that whole families could listen to without their kids going, wait, 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 hold on, it's really funny, and then I come tearing and be like, ah, yeah, fuck, 
And they're like, oh, and the parents are like, what did he say? Like, we don't want that. Um, well, I mean, we don't want that in the family friendly audiobooks. And so I think I'm going to I'm going to start doing some of those things. By no means does that mean I'm going to reread like books that I've read and just make them family friendly. Nor does it mean I'm going to edit those audiobooks to remove the swears or the the content cuz let's be honest sometimes it's not even swears. Sometimes it's just things that I say and the context of it can be can be problematic. Um I really want to read books that would be for like kind of you know for children. Um and I think this kind of bridges some gaps too. Like it might not necessarily be things that are like intended for really small kids. Um, I will say that the first series that popped into my head when I thought of this idea was Magic Treehouse, which I thought would be really, really fun, um, because my understanding of Magic Treehouse is that it gets into some historical stuff. Um, that's my memory of it. They're like time travel, and then they'd be like, oh, look, it's Napoleon. Um, and so that could be really fun for me to go on like rants and try to, you know, add a little something extra to, to the book. Um, but I think it's also a good opportunity to delve into, like, classics that might be utilized in, like, a high school setting, right? Um, like Dante's Inferno, or The Odyssey, or Catcher in the Rye, like, all those classic books that, you know, are taught in schools, and I could, um, help kind of break down and analyze those books. So, I think that'd be a really fun thing to, to branch out into, and do not get me wrong... This is not in supplication of my standard audiobook fare. This would be in addition to. It'd be a whole new section on the website um, dedicated to those sorts of things. I could even organize it by, like, grade level. Wouldn't that be crazy? Be like, these books are intended between the grades of K through 5 or something like that, you know. Or I guess, actually, I mean, you do a lot of growing up between K to 5. So it'd probably be, like, K to 2 maybe. And then three to five, and then I'll do like the middle school years, and then high school, and then once you hit college, you can listen to the rest of the audiobooks. <laughs> I don't think I need to do special college uh, books, unless it's like books on like how to be an adult. I do actually have a book about adulting. Um, that could be really funny, or like a book on like how to how to market yourself to get a job. Like that'd be really funny. Like professional books. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Um, yeah, I think I think this idea ha holds a lot of water, and I look forward to exploring it in greater detail. I just need to get my hands on some of those books. Um, some of them I already have and have already started. I'm mostly thinking of Dante's Inferno, which is a book I'm like halfway through in terms of its audiobook. Um, but if I'm making it so that it's family friendly, I may need to start over um, and just give it the uh, the old actual factual treatment. Um, and yeah, I think I think I'll I'll just keep it as family friendly as possible, but I will not be shy in my opinions of these books. I said Catcher in the Rye earlier. Um, I personally think that book is hot garbage. Uh, just like if I were to read like any Nathaniel Hawthorne or Wuthering Heights, like I will let my opinion of that book be known that it is a a terrible book. Um, but I can still read it family friendly. So fun new thing that I'm looking at. Uh, this is a, a bit of a longer intro, but it's been a while since I've spoken to you guys, um, in this kind of face-to-face -face mentality. So I hope you're all doing really well. I really do. Um, I hope to get some audiobooks out here in the not-too-distant future. 
hopefully before the month is out. I won't make any promises, but if I stick to my my plan, um, I would say that's more likely than not. So stay tuned. Um, I hope you like the next audiobook. Uh, feel free to check out any of the other 40 plus odd audiobooks I have on the website. I've lost count at this point how many I've done. Um, a lot. And uh, let's get into the rest of this podcast. So, everybody knows, if you listen to this podcast more than once, that I am a big fan of Guild Wars 2. I I still have, like, the physical disc version of the game when it came out in 2012. It was one of the first things I ever watched, uh, like, the Yogscast do on YouTube. I loved that game when I was younger, and I played it uh, quite a bit in college, to be perfectly honest. Um, which makes a lot of sense, because I went to college in 2012 when the game came out so it was very high on my my brain um and then for a long time i kind of dropped off the bandwagon in fact i dropped off the bandwagon so hard that since i played it two expansions had come out um heart of thorns and path of fire had been released and i never played them um and then uh out of nowhere just me and my buddies were talking about mmos pretty much hot on the heels of Activision and Blizzard's um, company completely dissolving and uh, being sold off to Microsoft due to um, horrible business practices um, and sexual assault. And I played Final Fantasy XIV for a while because I was a big WoW head. Um, that's kind of what I went to after Guild Wars 2 is I played WoW and I played WoW for years. And that was, that was my MMO fix. And then I played Final Fantasy XIV for a while and then... My friends and I were chatting, and they were like, what about Guild Wars 2? And I was like, do people still play that game? Game's so old. And I booted it up, and I mean, it was as much fun as I remembered it being. And I had all these characters that had, like, all these birthday presents from the years that had passed since I really played it. But I was like, if I'm going to play this, I'm going to start fresh. And so I made a new character called Manny Chundles, and um, he's a ranger. And he was my character that I made in preparation for the brand new expansion pack that came out a couple of weeks ago called End of Dragons. And I have now since beaten the main story of End of Dragons. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's fairly short. Um, you can beat it probably within 20 hours. Um, and I like fully explored every zone um, that the game like leads you to. Um, there are quite a few zones in that area that I have not arrived at yet, um, which is great for exploration. Um, but I have, like, I'm fully maxed out in all of my skills, so I'm collecting hero points for no reason whatsoever, um, except to, like, complete the zone, essentially. I have just this echelon of hero points for the next time they drop any sort of, like, mastery class. Um, I'm, I'll be all set, but, yeah, I've got all these hero points that I can't spend on anything. Um, I thought the story was, was a lot of fun. The combat was great. Um, thanks to me streaming that game a couple of times over at twitch.tv forward slash going upcast. Um, I had some people informed me that my build was ass and I then spent a lot of gold fixing that. Um, and now I do, now I'm like pretty well kitted out in terms of damage for, you know, PVE, um, player versus earth or I guess, yeah, PVW environment i don't know main game um i do a good amount of damage and i loved the hammer for the multi-class i basically switched over that as soon as it was an option 
Um, and I very much enjoy that style of, of combat. It makes your pet do a considerable amount of damage and makes them pretty viable in combat. Um, the story was, was a lot of fun. I don't really want to give story spoilers because, you know, it's an MMO and you're kind of along for the ride. I will say a couple of things. One, uh, essentially every new character that you meet is kind of terrible. Um, and you're justified in your dislike of those characters because they most often than not turn out to be villains of some persuasion. Um, so that was, that was interesting. Um, what this game's story does really well is it gives you a core group of characters to give a fuck about that are with you with all of your adventures. And I love that core group of characters, like all of them. They are, they are so like, they're like, they're my buds. Fucking Marjorie and, um... Uh, fucking Casimir, Timey, um, Brom, even Redlock has his moments. Um, Kanak is pretty good too. Like, I love, I love that group of, of characters. They are, they are so cool. And it's such a smart idea to involve them because they're basically, I mean, your character talks, um, and has a personality, but they are, um, your mouthpiece more often than not. And it's, it's really nice and it helps you care about the world and what's going on. And if you're a fan of Marjorie and Casimir like I am, then the ending of this game, of this expansion, is going to be right of your fucking alley. Um, but it's because of that particular ending, essentially uh, Marjorie and Casimir get engaged to get married. And that scene and that like um, little quest felt so like, and the game's over to me, that I was actively sitting here going, like, when I beat the game, I was like, you know, I still have a bunch to do in this game, but I think that's it. I think that's it for Guild Wars 2. It's been 10 years, three expansions, then they wrapped it, it up, the whole thing, in such a nice, neat little bow. Where could they go from here? Because the entire time, for every game, the main game, the and, every, and all three expansions, the bad guys have been dragons. They've been big dropper stomper and elder dragons. And this thing is literally called end of dragons. You basically take care of that problem and it's done. And then everybody's just kind of like, all right, well now what? On one hand, I think it leaves the game open to other types of villains. They play around with this a little bit in terms of like the living world stories uh, with like Scarlet's war. She's not a dragon. She's just an asshole. Um, and stuff like that, but I was convinced that was it. And a couple of months after this was done, we were going to start hearing about Guild Wars 3. That's what I was convinced was going to happen. And earlier today, as of recording, the people at NCSoft, um, the makers of Guild Wars 2, uh, released a press release stating their plans for the the future of Guild Wars 2, including like bringing back Living World Season 1, Content that has not been playable since, like, nine years ago. Um, so we're all very excited about that. That comes out in April, I believe. The first two episodes come out in April. I'm really excited to play those. Um, uh, a lot of, like, World v. World content. Um, additional challenges for End of Dragons. That kind of crap. Um, but the most important bit of news... There were two pieces of news that I thought were interesting. One, Guild Wars 2 is coming to Steam. Which is interesting that they've decided to make this move ten years into its runtime. But... I'm excited for them. I think that's going to bring in a whole host of new players, which is going to be really, really cool. Um, and two, they have confirmed that they are working on a fourth expansion for Guild Wars 2. Naturally, 
for them to talk about it so close to the release of the other one. It's going to be years before we like even see more about that that piece of news, let alone get it in our in our playable hands. So um, my prediction would be 2025. I think it's going to be like three years before that expansion comes out. This isn't fucking Blizzard where they crank out an expansion every two years like clockwork and they always suck. Guild Wars 2 has released three expansions over its 10-year runtime. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty conservative. And the last two expansions have happened fairly close together. Pathfire was not that long ago in terms of its distance to, to End of Dragons. And Heart of Thorns was released not that long after the main game was. So they're pretty regular with their expansions as well. Um, and I, I am excited to see where they take the story from here. I think it'll be I think it'll be really cool. Um, but I just want to say that I was very pleased with that expansion. And I'm basically going to spend my Guild Wars 2 time kind of cleaning up, you know, going back and crunching out all those story quests that I missed and completing the world areas and getting my masteries and stuff like that. That is that is what I will be spending my time doing in that game. I just wanted to say that it's been it's been a blast. And um I think I enjoy my time. I care so much more about the characters and who my character is in Guild Wars 2 than I did in fucking World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft, you're you're a mute bastard that is replaceable with one of thousands but because of the relationship you build with your friends and the fact that your character has a voice and talks to them and has a personality tremendously helps and invest me in that fucking story more than anything else so thanks Guild Wars 2 for being a competent MMO and you've jumped to the top of my all time favorite MMO hands down let's move on to next thing podcast So a friend of mine um, did something incredibly generous. Um, so uh, for a little bit of backstory, I, I helped them get um, a vacation planned through um, programs at my place of work. I'm being intentionally vague, um, and they were they were very appreciative of this, and uh, they were, they thanked me for this um, help, I guess. Uh, with an Oculus Quest 2, which is the, the Facebook or Meta, you know, if you're talking about the grander company, um, wireless, computerless VR headset. Um, and I was very excited because I haven't had a VR headset for a while now. Um, I gave my PlayStation, um, VR headset to my brother when I gave him the PlayStation 4. Um, because I knew I was going to get the PlayStation 5, and I know that there is going to be a PlayStation VR 2 headset that comes out probably around the holidays of this year, um, that I will also be getting. Um, and so I was like, well, this was incredibly generous, and I'm going to basically play all of the games that you can only play on Oculus Quest. Um, because there are quite a few exclusive games to the Oculus Quest headset, um, Say what you will about Facebook, but they command a lot of money when it comes to exclusive content. Um, case in point, this is no longer exclusive, I want to point out, but this was what I always associated um, the Oculus Quest, and that is Vader Immortal. Um, a now three-part like a game, basically, uh, involving everybody's favorite Dark Lord of the Sith, uh, Darth Vader. And... 
Um, it is either the greatest James Earl Jones impersonator or it's actually James Earl Jones providing the voice. And if I'm not super mistaken, I think it's Hayden Christensen providing the voice when he has the helmet off as well. I could be wrong. I'm just going to take a quick look right now. Um, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's take a look there. Um, do, 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 do. Scott Lawrence. Oh, okay. Is, uh, he's also known for being the major audio double for James Earl Jones voicing Darth Vader. All right. So he does a fucking great goddamn job. I gotta tell you. Um, he is, he is excellent. Oh, I didn't know the droid was my Rudolph. Um, Keith Ferguson, that, yeah, 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 Sorry, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good people in here. Um, oh, I thought that was Steve Bloom. Fuck you, you piece of, and Natalie Portman comes back as Padme. That's awesome. Um, David S. Goyer wrote the story of this. Um, and David is pretty prolific. He helped write on um, the Blade Trilogy, the Dark Knight Trilogy with Christopher Nolan, Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice, um, and a bunch of video games, a lot of Call of Duty stuff. Um, he's, he's, he's a good writer. Um, some of his movies aren't, some of those movies aren't very good, but he's still a good writer. Um, and yeah, like I said, I just played the first part. It's, there are three episodes, so there's two more parts to go. Probably took... I don't know. Hour to play the first part, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but the thing with VR is that it really needs to be kind of short and sweet and tight. You know, you don't want it to overstay its welcome because, you know, there's only so long you can really wear that fucking headset um, before your brain explodes. And I thought an hour was, was pretty perfect. I actually really enjoyed the story. Um, I need to move into a larger space in my house, though, because I punched the wall, like, three times, swinging my lightsaber around. Um, but then again, that's what I get for playing uh, aggressive VR at the foot of my bed, like an idiot. I should have been out in the living room, but it's cold in the living room, so I played it in my room. Um, but yeah, my, my first experience with the Oculus Quest 2 has been pretty positive you know i i can disagree with facebook ideologically on a lot of things and talk about how social media is destroying the planet um but when you put that headset on and you get it all set up and it takes a minute to set up like you plug it in and you turn it on and you get it charged up and then it's got to update and there's a a separate mobile app you have to do so you can log into facebook um and actually access the headset which is kind of dumb that you have to do that um but you can hide your activity from like your other facebook friends so it doesn't really matter um and it's no different than making like a playstation account really if you think about it it just happens to be facebook so if you don't have a facebook account you can't use this thing which is kind of stupid but you can also just make an account literally just for this and it don't add any friends and you're also fine so um and the first thing it does is it kicks you into a virtual environment that's basically your menu and there is a selection of environments, including like a spaceship and like a, a Japanese like dojo with a gorgeous view. Um, there's a winter lodge. There's a cyberpunk-esque future city. 
Um, and then there's a couple of others that I can't quite remember. And those locations were, were pretty radical. Um, I watched some, some 360, like, videos, including one that had, like, Lego Batman that I thought was adorable. Um, it's screen for, like, watching just standard YouTube videos is also pretty awesome that it, like, curves around you, so you're, like, in the screen. Netflix, the Netflix app gives you, like, a fucking, like, virtual living room to basically sit in to watch your Netflix stuff, which I think is hilarious. Um, but the idea there is that, theoretically, you could have your other friends who have Oculus Quest headsets sit in the same virtual living room as you and watch the same content at the same time. Um, which is pretty fucking... Uh, it's a fun idea. Unfortunately, I don't really know anybody who has one of these. Um, actually, I think I think my buddy Evan may have one of these. I might have to I might have to ask him. Um, but I thought that was that was intriguing. Um, and of course, all that like VR chat stuff you see around the interwebs is, I believe, done with this headset. Um, and so I might poke around in that. Um, one thing I do really like about the headset, it actually fits pretty well, and the visual quality of it, I thought was really good. Um, like, I could wear my glasses, um, under its, um, screen pretty easily, and to be perfectly honest, I don't remember being able to do that with the, the PlayStation headset. My recollection was that it was fairly blurry because I had to constantly take my glasses off, or maybe I'm thinking of the HTC Vive. It might have been that. Um, but no, it's it's fairly comfortable. I love the fact that it's just... You turn it on and it's good to go. Naturally, the battery life doesn't last super long. I estimated it would probably burn out after about three hours. You know, I played Vader Immortal and I was doing some other stuff. And when I took the headset off, I had like 30% battery life left. Um, so even the battery life encourages you not to use it for very long. Um... Like, I'm not sure it would make it to the end of, of of a decently long movie, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, if I put that thing on and watched Endgame, I'm not sure it would make it to the end of Endgame. But, no, I think it's... I think it's it's really strong. The controllers take some getting used to, but once you know, like, how they work, um, and it's like, oh, grabbing things isn't just one button, you kind of have to squeeze the controller with your entire hand in order to grab things. It's, it's a lot more natural... But your brain with a controller doesn't think that way. You think like X to grab. And then the hand just closes and grabs it. But now you actually have to close your whole hand. Because it's got multiple sensors. Sensing your different fingers. Um, including one for your thumb. And so you really have to make a fist. Um, in order to grab a thing. And uh, even like dual wielding uh, the lightsaber with, with like both hands. Um, feels a little awkward because the controllers are basically like clack sitting on top of each other. It doesn't quite work out. Um, but it's, but it's intriguing. And there are a lot of free pieces of content on the store that I'm intrigued to explore. Uh, including like, you know, virtual reality movies and art projects and stuff like that that people have made. Um, which is so much fun to kind of dive into. Um, I bought one other game that I haven't tried yet, uh, called Ragnarok. Um, it's a Viking boat driving rhythm game. And I was like, there's a lot of these rhythm games. And if I'm going to get one, it's going to be the one that allows me to listen to glory hammer music while I'm banging fucking Viking drums and make my boat drive. 
Um, one thing I thought was really kind of innovative was how this headset does speakers. Um, it has an audio headphone jack, so you can plug in your own headphones and listen to it. But if you don't want to, essentially what the, the headset has are these like fairly rigid strips that stick out on either side of the headset that end right about the top of your ear. And that is where the speakers are held. So if you're like two or three feet away from the headset, you might hear like a little hum. But when you're right in there in the headset, the speakers are like perfectly placed so you can hear the like the game or whatever you're watching and other people around you or yourself. Um, it's it's a really smart way of doing it. You know, it's a, it's a really solidly built device. And there's this weird moment where if you go beyond the, the guardian is what they call it, you basically draw your own play space. Um, and then the cameras on the outside sense when you are approaching the guardian space. Um, if you go beyond your guardian space, the cameras kick in and you can see the world around you in like this weird grayscale. Um, and it, I mean, it does its job like really well. You can very much see your own room and stuff with those cameras. It's, it's pretty spot on and it's really fucking weird to see your room in a virtual space is kind of next level fuckery. Um, but it's also like the equivalent of you could just take the headset off. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in, the, I'm in my room and it's in color now. It's crazy. Um, no, it was, it's really, really good. Um, and I look forward to exploring what it has to offer a bit more um in terms of like new games like i really want to finish vader immortal that's where my head is at right now i'm definitely going to pick up the other two episodes um but outside of that like i i want to see like what the free content looks like um i think there's an another couple of games possibly that i want to check out like resident evil 4 i'm torn on because it's like it's probably like like the really big title game that the Oculus Quest 2 really has, you know, Resident Evil 4. And I I did enjoy Resident Evil 8, and I have played parts of Resident Evil 4 when I was a kid. Um, but the problem is, is that jump scary horror crap doesn't play well with me ever. And it's even worse in virtual space. So I don't think I'm going to get that one, mostly because I know I'll never beat it. And it would be a waste of money, and I'd rather spend those dollars on something that I think I, I would enjoy a, a bit more. Um, but I yeah, it's 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 really good. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. And let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Hi everybody! Wow, so it's like. 11.45 at night, I just went bowling for the second time in like two weeks. I don't know what it is about my 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 personal friend group and our desire to go bowling, but we went to uh, we went to Red Robin ahead of time. And I don't know if you know this, but Red Robin now has pizza like on their menu. I don't know if it's like an internal Red Robin sort of decision or if they like bought out somebody who made pizza. Um, but either way, hold on, let me plug in my phone so it can charge. Eh. Um, either way, they had pizza on their menu. We didn't get pizza. I got the Scorpion Gourmet Burger, 
which was, you know, in my head, it was like the spiciest burger they had in their fucking menu. And that was not the case. Um, it was a good burger, though, I will admit. Um, like, the beef was tender, the cheese was good, the sauce was flavorful, not spicy, but flavorful, and the toppings upon the burger were exactly what I would want from such a burger, so I'm not gonna shit on them for not being spicy, because I think, you know, Red Robin is a bit more, like, kind of, um, all-inclusive in terms of spice level, so it wouldn't really behoove them to have, like, a fucking blow-your-asshole-apart sort of spicy burger. Yes, I wanna close it, don't fucking question me stupid fucking computer um but it was a tasty goddamn burger and then we went bowling at this place called tech city which is over in i think it was a kirkland um and we had two hours of bowling um which is essentially what we did i swear we got through like two fucking games um and that was because we were like hanging out and chatting and getting drinks and hanging out and having a good time and the lane next to us is what let us know about a a truly sad occasion. And despite my, my current mood, um, this is something that I am truly bummed about. Taylor Hawkins from Foo Fighters, the drummer, one of my drummer icons, has passed away. He died of a drug overdose at the age of 50 years old. Um, at the time of recording this, it's been maybe four hours since the news broke. And I found out about it at the fucking bowling alley because of the guy next to us great dude fucking love that guy i don't know his name or anything about it but he was a great guy but he let us know that taylor hawkins died and i've been a drummer for nigh on 15 years and taylor hawkins was one of my drummer icons right up there next to keith moon and neil pert and this one hits me hard and it hits me hard in a really big way because I was like, I thought this guy was just going to endure and be a kick-ass drummer forever. And he died of a fucking drug overdose at the age of 50. And it's just like, when you hit 50, you think you know better. But all it takes is one. And it's so fucking sad. I was playing Foo Fighters the whole way home. I got another confession to make. This fucking Taylor Hawkins was amazing. So I want to just take a real quick second. And I want everybody to raise their glass or whatever you have. Take a second, take a moment, you know, moment of silence for Taylor Hawkins, an incredible drummer, an amazing musician. And all it takes is one mistake to, to end this ride. So Taylor Hawkins, my love goes out to you and your family. You were incredible. One of the best. One of the absolute best. God damn it. It really it really hits me hard. I mean, I've seen Foo Fighters documentaries about how amazing a dude he was. I cannot wait to see like the new horror movie with Foo Fighters that he's in. Like it came completely out of left field. Of all the people to die, he was like I never would have guessed. On the flip side, um, because this all happened at the same night, I want to tell the story in this segment of the podcast. So my birthday wasn't that long ago, and my my team at my place of business decided to get me a gift. And I've been wondering this entire time as to what they possibly could have gotten me. You know, like a gift card 
or a mug. Like, I've made it abundantly clear that I collect mugs. Um, and I finally saw that there was a package waiting for me in the mailbox. And when I got home from bowling um, tonight, I went and checked the mailbox and I got it and I opened it. They got me the Lego Batman cowl. Like the 1960s Batman. The Adam West Batman cowl set. It's like less than 400 pieces. But this thing is something that I legitimately would have gotten on my own if given enough time. Like, I'm blown away by the generosity and knowledge that my coworkers show of who I am. That they knew that I would enjoy an original Batman cowl Lego set. Like, Adam West Batman cowl Lego set. I have not talked about Batman. I have not even mentioned Batman. I've talked about Lego, but I haven't talked about Batman. So the fact that they were able to zero in on this and figure out that this is something that I would legitimately enjoy. And the fact that they got it for me for my birthday. These guys are irreplaceable. Like, holy shit. I am blown away by their goddamn generosity. I'm going to build that tomorrow. But it's just like, wow. These guys. These fucking guys. I can't thank them enough. This is so fucking generous of them. I can't, I can't believe this. Like, I've basically held in my professional career two jobs. And while I absolutely adored my first job and my coworkers were amazing and my team was incredible and I loved what I did, like, I, n- I never thought that people I worked with would be this fucking intuitive and kind like it kind of shocks me that they that they did this and i am legitimately i'm like smiling from ear to ear it just it means so much um and it's it's fantastic that like the people you work with are so fucking friendly and nice and like aware of what you enjoy they are simply fantastic so i can't sing their praises enough um, it's, it really blew me away. I was so ready for it to be like an Amazon gift card or something like that, but no, it was a legitimate present and it, it just makes me so happy. I cannot wait to build it and put it on display. These guys really know me and they really care. And that just, that means the world to me. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. I hope you're all having a great night. Looks like we're halfway through this podcast. Let's keep on trucking and rolling with what's a hip happening, hip hopping. Take a drink for Taylor Hawkins. He was amazing. If you have been listening to this podcast for a minute and a half exactly and no more and no less, you'll know that I am a pretty big fan of From Software and their fucking video games. And wouldn't you know it, they came out with a new one. It's called Elden Ring. I know I'm a... I say this a lot. I'm a little bit behind the eight ball on this one because the game came out, like, probably a month ago at this point. Um, And I actually have owned it for a couple of weeks now. But I do not think I've talked about it. And even if I have, I've got more to say about it. So I'm going to talk about it. Number one, I very much enjoyed this game. I think I've sunk something like... 30, 40 hours into this game. I know that's not a lot compared to what others have done, but 
You know, for me, who spends their free time either out in nature or yelling at books, um, that's a lot of time to spend in a video game. Most of my gaming is is relegated to like an hour or two, a couple of times a week, maybe. Like, I don't, I don't game as much as I used to, and that's because I fill my days with other things. But this game was, was something that I was looking forward to because I love From Software games. But if you were to ask me historically, what do I think of open world games... I probably would have said I don't like them very much. Things like Skyrim or Horizon Zero Dawn um, can get pretty... You can get lost in the weeds pretty quickly, right? Like in Skyrim, I've never beaten Skyrim, ever. I've, I own it on three consoles, but I never beat it. And it's not that I don't like it, it's that I, what happens is like I get loosed in the world and then I just start meandering off in a fucking direction and I... And the story never really hooks me and I forget what I'm supposed to be doing and then I give up. And that's that's just kind of how it goes. And Horizon Zero Dawn was much of the same and that's why I haven't gotten Forbidden West because I'm like, I know I'm not going to beat it. So why? what's the point? Um, and I had no exposure to what Elden Ring was going to be prior to buying it. It's simply something that I bought on merit of the studio alone um because you know since dark souls dark souls 2 dark souls 3 bloodborne even sekiro like i've i've played them all i've beaten most of them but i've played them all i've beaten all the dark souls games i gave up on sekiro and i have never really seriously played bloodborne um but i imagine i could probably do okay in that um so yeah i was i was looking forward to elden ring and i booted it up and I think there's a couple of things that work in Elden Ring's favor for being an, an actual good open world game. And one of those things is that it uses the From Software style of storytelling, which is to say there is no story. Um, that's, you know what, I'm not technically true there. There is a story, but you have to find it. It's in item descriptions. It's in NPC dialogue. And that's basically it. Like, there's nobody being like, Welcome to the land of Mori, Dory, Dory. And you'll, you know, you get a little bit of that where it's like, Go fight these guys. Why are you fighting them? Because they're there, mostly. They're, they're mean. They're big meanies. Go fight the big meanies. And you'll save the world? Question mark? It's never clear. Most of the time, you're given a choice at the end of the game, which is like, to, to fix the world and make it kind of shitty forever. Or to just repeat the cycle and make it so people forget. You know, there's always some weird FromSoftian ending. Um, but the whole point of FromSoft games is like the journey, you know? Um, you can, if you really want to, fucking dig deep into the lore and figure out what's going on here. Or better yet, you can watch Vachi video on YouTube and he'll do it for you. Um, or you just fucking explore. And having basically no overt story allows for world exploration that's off the beaten path you know there is like a main thoroughfare of story you know there is a, a fucking like golden beam of light that literally points you in the direction you're supposed to go next um but every time you do something it feels like progression when you find a new dungeon and you go in there and there's a boss and you kick his ass and you get a bunch of souls or runes in this game um, that's progression. 
When you find a new zone and you pick up a new map or you talk to a new NPC person, you've progressed in the game. And I know that's technically true with like any open world game, but here it feels like it really does mean progression because completing main story quest stuff versus side quest stuff feels exactly the same. And so it's it's awesome for that. Um, it also does an open world game really well. There are tiny hidden dungeons all over the fucking place. And even though they're like a little samey feeling, I mean, the enemies you encounter in there, the actual layout, the items you can find, um, there's a lot of them that require some like puzzle solving in order to actually get to the end. Um, and then there's always a boss at the end of it. And even some of those can feel a little samey. And there are indeed some bosses that are just a straight up copy and pasted here, there, and everywhere. Um, but it's never the same fight. Like, there will be something to augment it. Like, instead of one dumbass fucking cat robot that breathes fire and hits you with a sword, now there's two. Or there's a dumbass cat fire-breathing robot with a bunch of other piddly minions. Um, and that was just a fight that I went, man, just fuck this. And that's the best bit. In some Dark Souls games, especially Sekiro, you will encounter dead ends, right? You'll, you'll progress and it's like, here's a boss. And if you can't beat that boss, there may be another path or two, but God forbid that boss is required to progress deeper into the game because now you're just fucking brick walled from progressing. This game, not a problem. Are there bosses you absolutely have to beat if you want to quote unquote beat the game? Yes. But you're not blocked off from exploring the rest of the fucking game because of that boss. This is one of the few open world games that I've experienced where you can just straight up explore the entire map without defeating the, like any of the main bosses. You have access to the entire world. You just gotta go out there and explore and find it all. But you can do it. You'll be vastly underleveled. But Dark Souls isn't really ever a, a game uh, for, or Elden Ring rather, isn't a game for levels. Like, you get stronger and you can take more hits and deal more damage, sure. But at the end of the day, you can beat this game without leveling up at all. You could, if you're good enough. It was going to be fucking frustrating as all hell because you're going to do like six damage. But you could do it. You could beat this game without ever leveling up. So, I think it's fantastic. It really does embrace... The, the Dark Souls storytelling in a in a new way. The horse mount is a complete game changer. The ability to jump as an individual, less of a game changer. Double jumping horses is a huge game changer. It makes traversal trivial. And there are some open world bosses just like out in the world, like dragons basically, that are pushovers when you fight them on horseback. Because the horse is, you know, faster than, like, the dragon can move. And you run in and you whack the dragon. And you run away before the dragon can even do anything. I've cheesed so many bosses on horseback. Um, it's it's not even funny. But it's been but it's been really good. And I, I enjoy it. And it's nice having a game like that on my PlayStation 5. Gives me an excuse to, like, not be in my fucking bedroom. Um... Which is, which is nice, you know, I've, I've used my living room more since Elder Ring has come out than I ever did previously. Um, for me, like, my office is out in the living room, so I'm out there, like, a lot. But, you know, it's, it's nice to play my PlayStation 5. Feels like I finally have a game that I, like, really, really, really like for the PlayStation 5. And I've played some good games on that system, but Elden Ring is, a, is the, uh, 
the fucking system seller for me. I did play Demon Souls. I always forget about Demon Souls. Um, but I like Elden Ring better. So all in all, I think it's it's a really good game. Um, I I can see myself sinking many more hours into it. Uh, if I was to nitpick it a little bit, I feel like this game loses some of its some of the best parts about Dark Souls um, are the interconnected level designs, where there's like different tiers and secret passageways and hidey holes to like take you back to different areas. Um, and you know that's all that'll happen because there weren't that many like bonfires, right? You only had like a couple here, there, and everywhere, and so the levels had to like loop back in on themselves in order for you to like be able to beat the fucking game without having to bus bus boss rush your entire the entire map to get back to where you were. Wow, that sentence was a struggle. Here, you can't fucking throw a rock or sneeze into the wind without finding another bonfire. And it's not that I don't like that. It's just that now the the entire map is basically like instead of it being stacked sections that are all interconnected and fun. It's basically a big flat plane, and that's your map. There are a couple of, like, bigger areas that are, like, underground, and obviously there are all the tiny dungeons, but by and large, you're going to stay in one basic zone, like the fir- the ground floor. You're you're in that area the in- almost the entire time. It might go up and down, depending on if you're in a valley or up on a mountain, but it's still, like, on that first plane of existence, if that makes sense. It's quite good. I like it a lot. I would recommend it. I would recommend this game as a wonderful entry point to anybody who's never played a FromSoft game. Because I truly believe that this is the easiest FromSoft game they have ever made. And that is because if you ever get stuck, not only do you have multiple ways of getting out of trouble, like summoning people online or summoning in the spirits, you can just fucking bail and go do something else. And you'll find something that you can do and you'll find something that's fun. And it's great. Like, that happens to me all the time. Like, a boss comes around and I'm like, I know what it'll take to beat this guy, but I don't have the time to do that right now. I'll just bugger off and go do something else. I do it all the fucking time. And it still feels like you're playing the fucking game and progressing, and it's great. So, I very, very, very much like Elden Ring, and I would highly recommend it. Let's move on to the next thing, the podcast. I finally watched the first two episodes of this show. I don't know much about Moon Knight, um, so this won't take very long. Uh, I think Oscar Isaac is putting on a wonderful performance. Um, I'm mildly intrigued by the plot. Um, It's fun to see Egyptian mythos in a TV show. Not something I'm super familiar with, to be perfectly honest with you. It's a fair amount of Wikipedia article reading whilst I'm watching this show just to figure out who Amin and Kenshu or whatever the fuck his name is um, are. Uh, I, I think the performances are pretty good. I think this show will benefit from... I think this show would have benefited from a, a binge watch rather than a weekly episode release because it's rather frustrating at times. But the dynamic of Mark and Steven is pretty interesting um i i enjoy the 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 dichotomy there and you know thanks to oscar isaac's performance you really do get the sense that they are two different people like he's doing a wonderful job i think he's carrying the show right now um it's very light on action um it's very much more of like a character study than it is anything else 
there's a couple of comedic moments, um, but not too many. I think Ethan Hawke is doing a, a fairly decent job so far. Um, I'll be interested to see where the show kind of goes. I I can see myself liking the show, and I do right now. I think it's good. I like it. Um, it's definitely not my favorite, but I'm absolutely going to keep watching it. Um, God. Yeah, it's, 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 it's different, but it's not, like, completely unknown to me. Um, this type of story. It's just not one I've really experienced fairly recently. Is there anything else I really wanted to talk about it? Hmm. Oh, the one thing I will say is, I think, I think, you know, their, their accents are fine. I mean, people do sound like that. But it really does feel like I was the dialect coach for this show. Uh, we need Oscar Isaac to do a British accent. And I'd come in there and be like, Right, cheerio, mate. Welcome to work. You know, bloody uh, hell and all that. You got to talk, you know, you got to yeah, just kind of have those loose jowls. And then you got to, got to just kind of lean into it. Um, child murder. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just nitpicking. But it's still like a strong B minus. Like it's good, but it's like good with like some some like an, an ellipses afterwards. It's good, but it's not particularly interesting. Like it's pretty. It's introducing a lot of weird shit to the MCU, and that's saying something because the MCU has been weird for a while. Um, but now we're getting into like ancient human religions superheroes because moon knight i mean he's the avatar of an egyptian god that's not something we've really seen before in the in the mcu and um i mean it only makes sense the only way you can really continue with the mcu is to expand the mcu beyond what we currently have and it's you, sometimes you just got to kind of take a step back and be like, wow, we're in, we're in Moon Knight territory. Much like Guardians of the Galaxy, like, who the fuck is Moon Knight? That's kind of, that's kind of my, my headspace. Who's calling me? Anyway. Um, yeah, it's weird. B minus. Let's move on to the next thing. Podcast. This week, I want to talk about sports. I don't normally talk about sports, and it's because normally, unless it's football, I don't particularly care about sports. However, in this past weekend, shush, computer, in this past weekend, I went to go see two sporting events live. And no matter what I say about any particular sport, if I'm there in person, witnessing that event live, I'm into it. I, I call myself a Fairweather fan. But I think a more accurate term would be an in-person fan. If I'm there in person and I'm rooting for the... I, I will root for the home team every time. Doesn't matter where I am. So in this instance, let's talk about the first sporting event. Which was uh, the Mariners versus the Astros. I went to this season, 2022 season's um, home opener. Um, the Mariners have played a handful of games out on the road. But this was their first game back at home. And, uh, spoilers, the Mariners beat the Astros 11-1, to which was incredible. 
Um, the following night, the Astros beat the Mariners four to zero. So you know, you win some, you lose some. Um, but I absolutely—it's weird. I adore going to T-Mobile. Used to be called Safeco. I I love going to the baseball park. I love seeing the games in person. I love being there with like friends and family, or hell, even coworkers. I've gone there for work events. Um, and it's a blast. Like you, you wander around, you get your food, you go chill at the, your seat. Baseball is such a passive event that should you go to go get more food or another drink or go to the bathroom or just get bored and start wandering around, you're not really going to miss a whole heck of a lot. Like the most exciting that game ever gets is with a home run. It gets a little bit more exciting if it's a grand slam, but outside of that, you're not missing much, you know? player gets up to the plate strikes out or walks you know baseball is pretty it's pretty passive doesn't take a lot to understand the rules of baseball um especially if you're there in person but i think the i think t-mobile stadium is a phenomenal stadium i've been there quite a few number of times and being there on opening night was um was something else it was a sold out arena Safeco Field or T-Mobile Field holds something like 47,000 people, I think. Um, and while I did see like a lot of empty chairs, that's because, you know, people were up and getting food and drinks and stuff like that. But it was a sold out uh, event and it was, you could feel it. Um, it was, it was pretty special. I had, what did I have to eat? I had a hot dog and there's something about like the ballpark dog. I mean, that's iconic, right? There's, there's very few other sports that have like an iconic food but baseball has so many. It's like Cracker Jack or Peanuts or Sunflower Seeds or Hot Dogs. Like, those are the fucking food items associated with baseball. Um, and so I got a hot dog. And uh, it was it was me and my dad. The, the rest of my family was getting off, like, getting, like, fucking poke bowls or something. I don't fucking know. But we wanted hot dogs. And so we went over to this place and we got our hot dogs. And the guy, like, fucking fumbles the hot dog and, like, lands on the counter. Um, and he's like, oh shit, I'm sorry. And I was like, I don't care. Give me my hot dog. And so I took that hot dog and he brought my dad's hot dog. And so we got our two hot dogs and then he came back with a third hot dog, presumably to replace the first fumbled dog. And I just took that one too. So we walked away with three hot dogs. Um, and we found the, the condiment station and I loaded mine up with ketchup and pickled jalapenos. I don't know what the, the fucking quote unquote Seattle dog is supposed to have. It probably has like fucking cream cheese and shit on it. I don't know. Um, but I didn't do that. I just hit it with ketchup and jalapenos and it was fucking delicious. All be frank, like fucking perfect. Exactly what you want at a goddamn baseball game. And it was delicious. I chased that down with a slice of pepperoni pizza. And, um, there's a, there's a chain of, um, restaurants all over the country, but we have quite a few of them here in the, in the Western Washington area. It's called Din Tai Fung. Um, and they make dumplings. Um, and there is a very particular type of dumpling where it's like a, it's a chicken dumpling, like swimming and basically chili oil, spicy sauce. And it's fucking delicious and phenomenal. And they have one of those at T-Mobile stadium and they sell the spicy chicken dumplings. And so I got one of those. Um, and then I had some salt and straw ice cream, which again is a Pacific Northwest, um, ice cream company now owned by Dwayne, the rock Johnson. But they make, like, top-tier artisanal ice creams. Um, and that was phenomenal. And so we did that. Um, and then uh, I carpooled over with my mom. And we left at the seventh inning stretch when the score was 6-1. to one, 
Um, and then the game ended at 11 to 1. So they scored five more times after we left, which is damn impressive. Um, but I have this history of um, leaving before an event is done because of a myriad of factors. I want to get home at a certain time. Maybe I have like work the next day. Maybe I want to beat traffic to get out of there. Whatever the case may be, I just have a history of leaving before the event is done. Um, and I've never once felt like I was missing out on anything by doing that. I feel like I always get the full experience and then I, you know, I take off. Like, I missed five home runs, sure, but I saw six of them. So I'm okay. I saw the majority. It's totally fine. Totally fine. Anyway, if you've never seen a Mariners game in person, um, fucking sport pundits, um, way more knowledgeable than myself will tell you that this is the season to go see the fucking Mariners. I don't know what specifically about the season makes it seem likely that we're actually going to go somewhere this season, but everybody is really thinking that this is our year. So if you can get Mariners tickets, I would really recommend it. The energy of being at the field the experience like it's so much more than just witnessing a sport it really is like a fully like all immersive experience and it's a blast especially if you go for like a midsummer like who gives a fuck kind of game like when they play like the a's or the diamondbacks like games that like nobody cares about where the tickets are like six dollars like fucking do it it's such a great way to spend a goddamn day at the goddamn ballpark. So I would really recommend it. You'll have a good time. Win or lose. I think it's a fucking great time. So I would really recommend that. And this is coming from somebody who's seen quite a few baseball games. Now. The second sporting event. Which I just got back from about 10 minutes ago. Um, was my first of this team. And that was. I went to go see a Seattle Kraken game. In their opening season. And so that's a whole other level of specialness. And if you've listened to the podcast before, you will know that Climate Pledge Arena, formerly known as Key Arena after before the revamp, um, it has climbed up my my roster of like my favorite arenas to go to. Um, it's like the whole thing's carbon neutral and there's a big fucking wall covered in plants and it's the living wall and there's big LCD screens all over the place. Um, in this case, showing us underwater because it's a cracking game. The first time I went there, right, it was for Ghost, and it was forest scenes everywhere. But this time we were underwater, um, which made a lot of sense for it being a cracking game. And I, I've i been to a handful of hockey games in person, but this was the first time I went to a hockey game where A, I wasn't a child, and B, I wasn't plastered off my ass before I walked into the stadium. I got decently buzzed whilst I was there, but not beforehand. I was stone cold sober when I walked in. And so um, it, was, it was me and my mom. And we uh, have a, a cousin who had season tickets to see the Kraken. And um, obviously she can't go to every game. And so she sold some of the tickets off. And we got some. And then my, my brother and my sister-in-law were able to get some. I think uh, through my mom. And we all got to experience this. And so we do the circuit just to kind of check it out because when we went for the concert, we didn't do a whole lot of wandering. And this time around, we did a fair amount of wandering to see that there were quite a few different restaurant options. Um, a lot of like um, stations selling like the Impossible Burgers and stuff like that. Um, there was a lot of booze. Um, but one thing that a lot of the restaurants seemed to have in common was this idea that in order to enter the restaurant, you would 
scan your credit card in. And then the little gate would open and you could walk in, grab whatever you wanted, and then leave. And because of the technology involved in the restaurant, it will know that your credit card is tied to you. It'll know what you picked up and then it will monitor when you leave and then charge you afterwards, which is great for line control. Every restaurant and food option at Climate Pledge Arena specializes in like five to maybe six things. Seven if it's one of the bigger restaurants. Very few food options at each restaurant. Like if you want mac and cheese, there's a place that'll sell you mac and cheese and that's fucking it. They don't do anything else. It's just mac and cheese or just chicken sandwiches or just, uh, once again, Din Tai Fung. They will specialize. And because they specialize, they mass produce like the four or five things that they fucking make. And then you just pick that shit up and go. And it each line for food and drink fucking flies by. And it's incredibly well designed from a consumer point of view. You walk in, get your shit, and you get out. And because it's so easy and fast, you are then inspired to go back and get more. Oh, you only have 15 minutes in between periods to go get more food. Not a problem. First period break, that first 15 minutes, I went to go to the bathroom, which admittedly is one of the longest lines that you'll experience at Climate Pledge Arena. Um, you go and you pee or do whatever you need to do. And then I had enough time to go to a restaurant, get fucking fish and chips and two more beers, check that shit out and get back to my goddamn seat before the game even started again. It was awesome. So food wise and environment wise, it's like next to none. This, this stadium is so well designed and so nice in the bathrooms. Everything is automatic. The soap dispenser, the toilet, the water, the, the toilet paper, the everything is automatic. It's it's so I mean it's it, it really does feel like a building of the future, and I wish all other buildings were fucking like this stadium. It's it's very, very well put together. Um it is enormous, um, but not nearly as large as Safeco Field. Um, I think the, the body count for this one was like 18,000, 17, four, five, one or something like that. Um, you know, less than 20,000 people fit in this, uh, in this arena. And it was, it, 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 like, I saw very few empty seats. We were, um, in row like G, um, on like the ice level. We were on like six or seven rows back from, you know, being up against the plexiglass and we played the New Jersey Devils, um, a hockey team who, until tonight, I had never fucking heard of before. But then again, until tonight, wasn't really that big of a hockey fan. And even afterwards, like, I adored being there and getting into it with some of those diehard fans. It was it was next level, and they really get into it. Um, and my throat is also sore from just, like, hollering at these fucking players. Because, you, you know, when you're when you're in that energy and you're amongst the fans who are diehard and have seen, like, every game and have those season tickets and stuff like that, like, you can't help but get caught up in the moment. And this is something similar to what I experienced at Safeco Field, um, but it's not on the same level because it's so much more 
interactive with hockey. Baseball is such a passive sport. You can holler, hey, batter, batter, all you fucking want, but it's not going to fucking phase them. In hockey, when you're screaming at these other guys because they had the audacity to bring a puck towards your goal, it's a completely different experience. And people are like pounding on the plexiglass and we're yelling and screaming and being like, get the fuck out of here. You know, it's, it's so much more of a fucking interactive experience because the whole crowd feels the exact same way and you could shut your eyes watching a hockey game and listen to the oh 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 fuck you just you would know exactly what is happening based on the sounds the audience is making and it was it was hilarious um and there was this one guy like sitting right behind me whose only like recourse for whenever anything didn't go the way we wanted to was punch him in the mouth just punch him right in the mouth that's all he would say and i thought that was hilarious um and we won um that game uh was was four to three we won in the shootout um which so there's regulation where it's three periods and each period is is uh, intersected by a 15 minute break, um, and I didn't know that. Uh, and then there was overtime, which was a five minute three on three sort of event, and that ended in a tie as well. And so then it went to the shootout, and then the Kraken won the shootout, and they won four to three. Um, and what 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 I loved about the hockey game is that there was never a dull moment. Like even during the breaks, there was like games and entertainment um and even if you didn't like any of like the the screen games you can watch the fucking zamboni drive around which is always entertaining during the actual gameplay roughly every like six to seven minutes the game the game would stop and then about like 20 guys would come out with fucking shovels and bottles of water to repair the ice and get all the fucking powder and like shaved ice off of the 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 fucking court um or the rank i guess so it was uh, a, a level playing field for the players when play would resume. And that happened so many times, and I called it the Shovel Brigade. I don't know what it's actually called. I'd never seen that before. And I've seen hockey games, like, fairly recently. Like, I saw one, um, I guess I say fairly recently. Um, the last hockey game I went to was eight years ago for my brother's bachelor party. We went to see, like, a Portland hockey game. I don't know who the fucking team it is in Portland. But, that was, you know, that would have been 2016. So, yeah, 80 years ago. So, no, sorry, six years ago. What the fuck am I talking about? Six years ago. Um, but, no, this was this was next-level entertainment. I was... I had a blast, basically, from start to finish. The stadium is phenomenal. The food is fantastic. The drinks were pretty good. I had the, the Kraken, like, official Kraken craft beer. I forget who the brewery was, um, but it was a standard IPA. And it was pretty solid. I had two of those. And then I had one of those, like, pre-mixed cocktails like the official pre-mixed cocktail of the Kraken um and it was basically citric acid in a can it was vodka lemon juice orange bitters and like sparkling water but it was basically like a Mike's Hard Lemonade on steroids it was just somebody took like a goddamn lemon pop and melted it and make it made it slightly alcoholic in a can it was delicious but it was so sharp like it needed to be cut with like a bottle of water or something you have to dilute that bastard I mean, I could still feel it on my teeth. Like, it was so acidic. Um, and, yeah, for food, I had uh, fish and chips. And those french fries were next level amazing. And then, of course, more spicy dumplings from Din Tai Fung. Um, 
Yeah, that was all amazing. The event itself was fucking awesome. I got super into it. I'm yelling at those players. We had we had a brand new player like make his NHL debut tonight and he scored on his first NHL game and the crowd fucking erupted in cheers. I don't remember his name. It was like Maddie like Ben here Ben Neer or something like that. Like fucking good for that kid. Excellent. So it was it was awesome. I know cracking tickets for season one are mad expensive. And it makes a lot of sense because it's their it's their debut season. Those tickets are gonna be unreasonably expensive. But I have some good news for the consumer. The Kraken kinda suck. We won tonight, but we've lost like We've won like 20-something games. We've lost 40-something games. It's Our win-lose ratio was bad. Um, and what I hope is that we get into a situation just like we have with the Mariners. Where the Mariners haven't been good for a very long time. And because they suck, the tickets are super cheap. And I don't mean to be mean to the Mariners or to the Kraken. But for the consumer, bad sport teams are very, very, very easy to go see live. And even on a bad night, or even a bad sports team can have a good night. Like, both of the sporting events I went to, the home team won. And that energy is something that is very hard to come by outside of a sporting event, outside of a concert, outside of any live entertainment. You can't get that kind of camaraderie and bonding experience unless you go to see this shit live and so if if i can leave you with a piece of advice here at the end of this episode of the podcast it would be to go on an off night go against a team that nobody cares about get some nosebleeds it doesn't really matter you'll be there you'll be in that crowd you'll feel that energy it's it's borderline as rejuvenating as like going out into nature and just kind of rejuvenating your soul being around like people with a single focus and a single mind that are all rooting for the same thing is is pretty phenomenal so i had a tremendously fun time witnessing seattle sports this weekend and um i kind of can't wait to go back and like i could go a couple of months before i saw another baseball game I would go to another cracking game like tomorrow. Um, and of course, I'm kind of late to the game here because uh, I think there are like four more cracking home games before the season is done. So you might have to wait for next season and I might have to as well. Um, but I, I gotta I gotta say that that was just an absolute blast. <sighs> and speaking of absolute blasts, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Going Cast. I know it's been a very long time since I dropped an episode and for that I apologize. Um, but I hope it was worth the wait. I thank you all so much for being uh, supporters and listeners to all of my content. If you do not tire of hearing my voice, there is audiobooks aplenty at goingcast.com forward slash audiobooks that you can go listen to. Um, in fact, after recording this podcast, I am going to grab my book and begin cranking out a couple more chapters. Uh, so hopefully you guys will hear a new audiobook dropping here very soon. Thank you all very much, and I hope you have a great day. Talk to you all later. Bye.